Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Talking Smack, where we talk superheroes, movies, animation, and comics. I am your host, Josh Scar, and joining me this week is Matt. Matt, welcome back. Glad to be here. How's it going? Could be better. Uh, <laughs> God, I'm still dealing with some uh, lung stuff from my COVID exposure. Yeah. So uh, I may not be as long-winded as usual, but I will do my best because... I want to be here and I want to do this. So I'm pretty long winded myself. So I think I'll probably be <laughs> one way or another. We'll, we'll make it through. You'll be carrying this episode. I promise. Uh, so yeah, I'll do my best to edit out any coughing or random wheezing that may happen, but I promise I'm feeling really good. Like maybe 85% good. Yep. Um, it's just this, this lung stuff is lingering. Oh, damn it. I, this is like the fifth week in a row. I've forgotten to check my stat, not my my sheet here to see who our our ad spot is for. Comic-Con news, sugar-coated murders. All right. So, um, yeah, this week we're going to talk about San Diego Comic-Con. I know we're a week late, but I was out on the road last week and I, uh, I had had our Snake Eyes review in the can for a while. So I wanted to get that out because... Uh, I thought that was a really good episode. Antonio had some really great thoughts on the movie, despite how bad it is. <laughs> and uh, it was a good episode to get out. I, a lot of people really enjoyed it. So I, I appreciate the feedback we got from there. Um, but we're going to take a quick ad break from our friends at Sugar Coated Murder, and we'll be right back. Talk about what we do on our podcast. On our sugar-coated murder podcast? Like how we love to bake and talk about murder? That's what we need to talk about. There you go. I think we've talked about it. Y'all find us on all your favorite listening apps. Stay sweet. And don't murder. Because if you kill people, we will talk about you. And we are back. We are here to talk about Comic-Con, we being myself and Matt. Matt, what did you think of this year's Comic-Con slate? Um, it's interesting because, you know, you were talking about your lingering COVID and my main thought with most of Comic-Con was, we shouldn't be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> that is, a, a yeah, as I was uh, watching all that and seeing people, uh, other podcasts that I really enjoy, like Comic Book Keepers, they were there. Thankfully, they were masked. Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I saw some people on, I follow on Twitter, like mutuals on Twitter who were there for various websites. I was like, I get it. I'm here. Like, oh man, <laughs> that's a lot of people in one place. Yeah. And I remember uh, one, of, one of my mutuals, um, Katrina from, uh, among other things, the uh, Team Kanan podcast. She's a big Star Wars person. Uh, apparently, uh, someone associated with Comic Con and also like the, California government was like, Hey, in, in like two weeks, if there's a rise, we'll, we'll start talking about maybe re putting up a, a mask mandate, but that two weeks is like the end of this coming week. So like they yep. just, they just wanted to get Comic-Con covered and not have to worry about mask restrictions, which yep. seems really stupid. Well, I mean, it would be a different, it's, that's not the remit of this podcast, but I can go on for the, I can go on for quite a while, but <laughs> that kind of stuff anyway. Oh yeah. That wasn't your question. Um, <laughs> it's interesting because in some ways, you know, we were talking about the kinds of things we wanted to bring to this conversation today. And I was looking up some of the, some of the things that were announced to refresh my memory. 
And in some ways it felt like it was kind of a weird, you know, kind of low key Comic-Con. Like I was starting to look into some of the actual comics stuff that was happening. And in terms of at least like the big guys like Marvel and DC, there wasn't a lot that was really jumping out to me. There was some stuff, but, but there was a lot of interesting things in the Marvel side in particular. And I suspect that's going to be most of what we talk about today. I think it may have come up the last time we talked MCU stuff, or maybe I'm misremembering that, but like, I feel like there was been, there's been a sense recently with like the new shows and some of the movies that maybe what is like the MCU like driving toward right now. And they kind of answered that in a big way with a bunch of, you know, big announcements and like a big roadmap to the next few years of those movies, which is, you know, a good kind of, it can be a good thing and a bad thing, I think, because, you know, it's weird to be like, here's a movie that just has a title <laughs> coming out five years from now. <laughs> anyway, so it's, it's, it was simultaneously both a really interesting and sort of a kind of, in my mind, low key Comic-Con, it felt like. And maybe part of that was, you know, I had stuff going on that weekend, so I wasn't like glued to Twitter or anything. Yeah, I was laid up in bed, so I yeah, yeah. I, I had nothing better to do. I was feeling better at that point, but I I was just like, all right, let's just keep up with Comic Con stuff. Yeah, right. So that's that was that's kind of where it hit me. I don't know how you felt about that. Um, I, I was kind of in the same boat. There's some really cool, like, uh, somewhat personal connections we have that were announced, like uh, Melissa Flores, who we interviewed not that long ago. Um, who by the time this episode comes out. Uh, the dead lucky will be on comic shelves. Uh, so definitely pick that up, but she's also now going to be the lead writer on mighty Morphin power Rangers at boom studios, which was very cool. Very cool news. Um, you know, we talked to Melissa once, I don't know. I think, I don't know if that's enough to call her a friend of the podcast, but it was a fun conversation. And I think she needs to come back a second time to be a friend of the podcast, but we will, we will at least still promote her stuff because she came on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, and you know, we read the first issue of that dead lucky and it was, it was good. I have not been really f- keeping up with the power Rangers books in a few years at this point, but I don't know. I don't know if I will like act actively like seek it out in single issues when it's coming, when she's writing it. Um, but seeing someone whose work I know and that I sort of know that I talked to a little bit, um, getting that book was like, oh, now I'm kind of interested. Like, what's what's going on here? Um, so I'm curious to see what comes out from that book. Um, and, you know, we talked a little bit about it when she was when she was on about the Power Rangers book. Like, I think we've both kind of fallen off it in the last couple of years, but that was a pretty solid book. Um, oh, yeah, I've been collecting the physical copies for since the beginning. So I'm 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 mostly up to date. I'm behind on all my reading, but. Uh, I mean, I, I really enjoy what Ryan Parrott has been doing with the book. Yeah. And then so, uh, Matt Groom just took over the Power Rangers side of it. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Which I, I think was formerly Go Go Power Rangers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, what, what I've read of that book is is pretty good. So I'm and I'm interested to see what Melissa brings to it, who, you know, I guess I mentioned before, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to buy it in single issues, but I, w- I will read it eventually because. So far, what little I've seen of her work, and I know she's pretty new on the writing side, um, is really good. So I'm sure that she can bring, and she seems to have a lot of knowledge and affection for the Power Rangers from her time working on that side of things. So I think it'll probably end up being pretty solid. Yeah, and if you haven't seen it, uh, definitely look up some of the the announcement side of that uh, panel that she was on with Power Rangers because it was mostly about the build towards issue 100. 
Um, but they did talk about passing on the torch past issue 100 from Ryan Parrott to Melissa. And uh, she's talking about bringing Rita Repulsa back with a new name. But the design looks fantastic. And they did also announce uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers versus Ninja Turtles 2 or whatever kind of crossover you want to call. Um, Melissa's not involved with that. I believe Ryan Parrott's writing that one as well. But that's another one that I'm kind of excited for. And then uh, as far as like the comic side, the other big announcement was they, they are doing a Supermassive 2, which is not technically called Supermassive 2 as of yet. They're just saying Supermassive April 2023. So I think it's just going to be a, an ongoing annual book just called Supermassive. Yeah, that'll be fun. And it's, um, you know, we talked, I've, I've only really kept up with um, Radiant Black and I intend to continue checking out Dead Lucky when that hits because I've already read some of it. <laughs> But, you know, that's it's a fun little universe they're building over there. And it's fun to see. It's not something you see super often in comics these days. Um, so I'm I'm happy to see it. At least from all appearances thriving right now, where there's like what, like three or four books right now. And then this um, I think there's four or five, actually, there's uh, there's Radiant Black, Rogue Sun, Technically, Infernal Girl Red, uh, which is just kind of like a big graphic novel at this point. Um, you have the Dead Lucky, and then I believe Ordinary Gods is also okay, in the right. uh, massive verse. Yeah, that's right. But cool. it, that one's pretty loosely established. And then now you have the Super Massive, which is their annual crossover event. Yeah, that's great. So let's get into some stuff that you really like to talk about. Let's talk a little bit of the Star Trek announcements. <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely. I can talk about that. From what I can can tell, again, I was not following this as it went. I picked up a lot of stuff after the fact and, you know, tried to refresh my memory before we came in. So hopefully there's not some big thing I'm going to miss that's going to make listeners mad. But, <laughs> you know, from, my, from where I stand, there, there were three big things they really talked about. The first... Maybe most pressing is that Lower Decks is coming back later this mm-hmm. month, August 25th. Mm-hmm. A little bit of a late birthday present for you. So that's fun. Yep. 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 And it's interesting because like for a while they've been talking about, oh, it's coming back in the summer. And then like strange new worlds just wrapped up like near the end of last month. And I was like, all right, you're running out of summer. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad to see that it's, that it's coming back. That, that show is like, um, it's, so, it's such a great and you've seen some of it, right? Like, yeah, I've I've seen both seasons. It's, it's like Futurama, but set in the Star Trek universe. Yeah, and it's like it's it's one of those things where when they first announced it way back when, I was like, I don't know, I'm like this is, looks weird. Like it's got, and I couldn't tell if it was going to be like a thing that's just like, haha, Star Trek is so dorky and dumb. And sometimes it does get into that vibe, but it is very much like a place where you can tell every single person on that show really has a love and a knowledge and affection for star Trek. So like it, the times that they are like, look at how dorky this is. It's coming from a place of love as opposed to like making uh-huh. fun of it. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just surprised. It's like maybe the second best of these new Trek shows at this point, um, which I did not think I would be saying when it first came out. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I really enjoyed lower decks. Like I, I, I don't know anything about Star Trek. I know we have the running gag at the end of each episode, but that's because you started it and it was funny. Uh, but yeah, I, I know little to nothing about Star Trek besides like the, the modern movies and stuff yeah. so, like lower decks is even it's accessible to, to people like me who are not invested in Star Trek. And it's, it's really fun. Well, yeah, it looks, it looks 
you know, they, they, they showed a trailer that looked really fun. It's picking up from where the last season left off, obviously. And it seems like there's lots of little references and like returning characters from previous shows, which is great. Relatedly, they also announced that, um, you know, we've already known for a while that Strange New World is getting a second season. I think it's already done, like filming, um, which is great, by the way. Like if you are interested in just kind of watching a Star Trek, like that doesn't require a ton of investment, like Strange New Worlds is like, it's probably, it's, I think it's the best of those new shows so far. And I've, I've enjoyed all of them to some degree. Um, they just finished their first season, 10 episodes, really great. But they announced that they're doing a crossover with Lower Decks in their second season, which is like one of those things that sounds so weird because Lower Decks is a cartoon, Strange New Worlds is live action. So it's like, wow, that can go really badly or it could be really great because it's like, Hard to know exactly how it's going to go. And they're they're bringing the voice actors in. So like Jack, Jack Quaid will be playing. Um, uh, uh, what the heck's his name? Boimler. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's so like the entire cast apparently is going to be reprising their roles in live action from what I understand. Yeah, it's weird because I, I think I've I've also heard that there was going to be some kind of animated component. So I don't know if it's going to be. You know, we're doing some scenes in in the lower deck style and we're and we're also doing some live action stuff with the characters, but there have been, I think it was last, maybe it was, it was last comic con or maybe it was the last star Trek convention where like the entire cast for the most part showed up cosplaying as their characters. And I was like, Oh, okay. There's surprisingly, you could see how like, you know, Jack Quaid could show up as, as Boimler with his weird purple hair and it would kind of, kind of work. <laughs> And they also, um, they showed a trailer for the new season, the last season of Picard, which is bringing back the, basically the entire Next Generation cast to some, for, in some capacity, which is something they had previously announced, but this is the first time we like got a glimpse of the actors reprising their roles. Like we see Michael Dorn in his old man wharf makeup and all that stuff. And I'm, Picard is, <laughs> Picard is such an interesting show because both seasons so far, I thought have started out really strong or at least interestingly where I'm like, Oh, I'm okay. I'm jiving with this. And then somewhere in like the, the back half or back third, I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> like both seasons so far, like it totally falls apart. So I'm sort of like in that, in like the Charlie Brown ready to kick the football phase where I'm like, <laughs> yeah, let's go <laughs> bring all these guys. Back. But also I'm like, all right, the last two seasons, I've really <laughs> soured on it by the end. So I don't know if I should expect the same thing to happen um, again or not. We'll see. Uh, you know, I think I think I will at least enjoy seeing all all my old buddies hanging out together one last time. Um, but TBD, if it will be any good or not. <laughs> Hopefully it ends on a high note. You you don't want uh, Patrick Stewart walking away with on a low on a bad note. No. Who knows how many times any of those other guys are going to be able to reprise those roles too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So uh, moving into some more nerdy stuff. Uh, what did you think of the trailer for Dungeons and Dragons Honor Among Thieves? It was fun. Um, you know, that's that, that's a thing where I have very little expectations for that movie just because it's like there was the what was it, the early 2000s movie that was with with was it, was Marlon Wayans. 
Yeah, and it had Jimmy Olsen from uh, New Adventures of Lois and Clark yep. as the main character. And uh, I think Jeremy Irons was in it as well. Yep, he was the villain, um, which was, you know, not very good. Although it, when it came out at the time, I was like, oh, this is great. I'm a dumb kid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's it's such a weird thing because, you know, Dungeons and Dragons has a, its own setting and its own kind of rules and kind of characters and things like that. But it is also like. Yeah, what is the staple of Dungeons and Dragons if it's not people sitting around a table? Because otherwise it just feels like a, a generic fantasy land. Yeah, so it's so it feels like for me it's hard to imagine like what a Dungeons and Dragons movie should or shouldn't be. So I just have like no head empty when I imagine. <laughs> but, you know, the, that trailer looks fun. It looks like they're leaning into some they realize it's kind of a goofy silly thing and they're leading into it, uh, which I think hopefully will be good. You know, Chris Pro- Chris Pro- yeah, can't talk this morning. Chris Pine always fun to watch. <laughs> that is true. Chris Pine is one of the better Chris's in Hollywood. <laughs> I mean, there's three. There's three right there at the top with right. Evans, Hemsworth, and Pine. How did I mean? Where, how did that hit you? I mean, I I don't think I know absolutely nothing about Dungeons and Dragons other than the concept. Um, yeah. And then there's like a few Futurama episodes and. Uh, a really good Voltron episode where they, they basically play uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, but overall, I thought the trailer was fun. I didn't like, I, like you said, there's nothing about it that really stands out like, Oh, that's dungeon Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, but for me, the highlight of it was the chonky dragon. Yep. <laughs> uh, there there's that chubby little dragon breathing fire as they're running away, or I don't know exactly what's happening, but uh, I immediately texted Alex because I know he has uh, a weekly Dungeons and Dragons campaign. And uh, I was like, we we stand Chonky Dragon on this account now. <laughs> we must protect him at all costs. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where for me, there there's almost no movie that's like a day one C anymore, just because of the way the world is at this point. But you know, that's a movie that if I can if I can find a good time to see it in theaters where I don't feel like I'm in danger of contracting a a disease, <laughs> then I'll try and find time in the theater to catch it. Um, let's see here. What else do we got? Uh, yeah. And we're like, obvi- we're 20 minutes into this. So like, obviously this is a little late, but we're, we're kind of rapid firing all this news because yeah. trying to get through it as quickly as we can, because the Marvel stuff is going to take some time and I don't want to yeah. push our time limit too far beyond our usual hour. Um, I know you had some thoughts on X-Men 97. Uh, Marvel showed some cells, I guess, of how the characters look, which they look like the characters from the nineties animated series. And, uh, the real announcement, the real big announcement was Magneto is going to be in his 90s costume and he's going to be the leader of the X-Men as the it's show starts. Because I have no real, you know, I watched X-Men as a kid here and there, but I didn't really like follow it. I don't have real affection for it. I don't think it's aged particularly well. So it's like one of those things where when I think about, you know, I, I would much prefer that they are going to, that they would just do a new x-men thing if they're going to do an x-men cartoon for disney plus you know give me x-men evolution 20 years later i want uh, i want a nightcrawler with his boxers showing out of his pants yeah or like you know x wolverine the x-men if you're going to do a revival or just do a new thing but that said it's interesting to me i'm intrigued just because it seems like they're really going into like oh we're going to lean into like some of the late 90s mid mid 90s or i guess maybe even closer to um, like the eighties X-Men stuff where like we're doing new mutants, we're mm-hmm. doing Magneto in that sort of weird purple get up. 
when he's running when he's running the X-Men during one of the many times Professor Xavier is pretending to be dead. <laughs> um, so it's like, okay, I don't know that I'm jazzed for it. And I think it doesn't really override my sense that like, I wish you would do a new thing instead of just like a revival of an old thing. But I, I'm like, okay, you have my attention at least. So that's, it will be interesting to see how that turns out. But I'm, I'm at least, I'm at least commending them for like going for it as opposed to just, they can just keep doing 90s X-Men as it was, but they're like, okay, let's push, let's, let's riff on something that is weird and not that it kind of often overlooked from the X-Men oeuvre. Yeah. I was more into the Spider-Man animated series and Batman, the animated series than I was X-Men. Uh, yeah. X-Men was uh, usually on like right after I got home from school. Uh, there's three things that stand out to me with the X-Men, the animated series it was the, the Phoenix saga, which I got super confused by, by the end of it. But I remember it being really cool. Wolverine being obsessed with morph. Um, <laughs> I just remember him yelling morph, morph so many damn times that I got annoyed, even as like a nine year old. Uh, and then the uh, OJ Simpson highway chase stands out to me as well, um, which is a really weird and innocuous thing. But uh, I remember coming home from school one day and I was like, got my after school snack, got my drink, went downstairs to watch TV, turn on the TV. And uh, X-Men is usually the first thing on. Nope. On this random day in the in September or something, it was OJ Simpson getting chased by the police in his white Bronco. And I'm like, where the hell are my X-Men? <laughs> well, that's so weird too. Cause like, you know, one of the things about those cartoons is, and Spider-Man too, to some degree, there's a certain point where if you are not weirdly enough, these like early nineties cartoons, if you're not watching every episode, they're so unusually for the time serialized where it's like, you know, well, that was in response to Batman, the animated series, wasn't it? Where, I mean, even Batman, the animated series was essentially syndicated where there was no real like continuity that carried over, but it kind of created that sense of continuity. And uh, there was a, a big response to it with other shows that did start telling more carried over stories like the Spider-Man, the animated series that had like minimum three episode arcs almost yeah, every episode man where like technically the entire seasons it's like the six arm saga part 20 yeah the chameleon strikes part two or some, some yeah shit. um you might be right about that but i think it's it's like that probably and it's also just it's also interesting because x-men especially is also just adapting what's happening in the comics at the time sometimes pretty pretty closely with like what's on the stands so I think they're just like, you know, just going for it, trying to create that sense of, you know, it's a weekly comic book and, you know, the soap opera that carries on from issue to issue, episode to episode. But it doesn't help when we don't, you know, this is before DVRs, this is <laughs> before streaming. So it's like, oh, I missed an episode. And I guess that's the one where Phoenix blew up a planet or whatever happens in their version of it. <laughs> Yeah, uh, though the Shi'ar are here. Who are the Shi'ar? What's happening? Yep. Oh, I shouldn't. I wish. I wish OJ. Curse OJ Simpson and his. <laughs> I wish OJ had had his chase yesterday. I would have seen the episode. Exactly. I needed to know what happened to Morph. <laughs> like I said, I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I, I love the theme song, but I, I don't have a huge affinity for the product, at least. 
it was cool for its time, especially with how well uh, it adapted the Phoenix saga. But there was nothing like nothing like Batman, the animated series to me that like made it that great, uh, which I mean, maybe maybe I'm going to be getting some uh, lasers pointed at my head here. But <laughs> I mean, Batman is like weird. is like singular in terms, you know, not every episode is is, is great, but it's like you could tell they, they put a lot of money and effort into it with the animation and they're just trying to like get at the essence of what like makes Batman interesting and cool. Where I think those nineties cartoons are doing it in their own way, but like the animation's not quite as good. They're really trying to like hit on like what is going on, what they're trying to like hit the balance of what are some of the cool stories from the the past and also what's happening in the comics like right now, you know? And I think so. I think that also means it doesn't age quite as well, which is interesting. I'm curious to see how they tackle it because like you can do the same kind of animation style for this new, for X-Men 97, I think is what they're calling it. But it's like, are we still going to, are we going to like intentionally have kind of bad voice acting? Are we going to intentionally have kind of cheap animation? And like, there's a point where it's like, okay, you're doing, you're kind of just trying to do a thing that's in the same vein, but at a certain point it crosses over into, oh, this is just like a parody of itself. So I'm kind of curious to see how they, you know, kind of walk that tightrope. And, you know, if, if you like Spider-Man, the animated series and X-Men, the animated series, I have affection for those to some degree. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. I just think that if you're comparing it by some of the contemporaries, mostly Batman, I think it's impossible to argue that like one has aged much better and still holds up than, you know, these other two that are doing a very specific kind of thing of its time more than Batman. So put, put the lasers away. (laughs) Okay. If you like it. (laughs) Yeah. We're not saying you're wrong. Just different strokes, different folks and all that stuff. Uh, So continuing on with the Marvel animation stuff, uh, we got some previews for Spider-Man freshman year, which if I remember when they announced it, it was supposed to be the origin of the MCU Spider-Man, but it seems like now they've uh, made it more of a multiverse story where it's going to be Peter meets up with Norman Osborn instead of Tony Stark and like the ripple effects that that has in, in that Spider-Man's universe, which sounds fine. But my interest in that series dropped significantly once I found out that it was a multiverse story. Well, I, I think, and I think it makes all the sense in the world just because like, you know, you pitch this as, I mean, I don't, I don't know how much of this is actually like the, the, I don't recall how much of this is the pitch and how much is like what we took away from it, maybe without the full context. And we, we meaning not you and I, but like nerddom in general, because I think that's the royal we. Yeah, that's like the, the main thing I think people took away from it. I totally understand where you don't want to create a situation where you are, you are either stuck having to like figure out how your cartoon fits in with three movies. Or potentially, if you're trying to say that this counts, quote unquote, you you don't want it to be a situation where suddenly they're doing a Spider-Man 4 and they're like, oh, well, did the cartoon use Sandman? Do we have to figure out like all this? So like, I don't know, maybe something, maybe this is like a thing that was always the case or maybe they figured this out or somewhere down the line, but it makes perfect sense to me that they were like, you know what, we're not going to make a thing that you're going to have to have seen 10 episodes of a cartoon. <laughs> for the next spider-man movie so i don't know i think i think i was intrigued by the um by the original pitch or at least how we interpreted the original pitch but i'm also you know if it's a good spider-man cartoon i'm here for it and 
you know, maybe sort of to rile up people we were just trying to calm down. There's so few of them. <laughs> there are so few good Spider-Man cartoons that it would be nice to have a good one. Um, yeah, which the the uh, showrunner for Freshman Year has said that he's a big fan of Spectacular Spider-Man. So hopefully he takes a little bit of nuance from there, at least. Um, definitely. And, you know, some of the some of the looks like interesting looking art style and like we got some shots of a bunch of villains, including like Doc Ock and guys like that that look cool. A few different variations on like Spider-Man suits. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of thing that I think it's going to benefit from being more or less a standalone thing, whether or not they ever bring it back for later MCU stuff is that it, it makes sense to just be like, we're going to do our own thing because otherwise there's lots of constraints on all sides that would make, probably make it make everything compromised to some degree. Yeah. And like one of the, my first questions once they originally announced this was um, the fact that this was Spider-Man freshman year, but According to MCU, if if we're going to get nitpicky and talk like continuity, Peter's a sophomore. Go, I'm trying to remember now. I think he's a sophomore going into his junior year or maybe he's a junior. I can't remember, but uh, he had been a he had been Spider-Man for like six months going into Captain America Civil War and then Homecoming picks up immediately after that. Right. So either way, he's he's a sophomore and he's ending his school year at that point. So if he if he he gets his powers when he's a freshman, I guess that could be like an end of the year school trip. Then he spends his summer figuring out his spider powers. And then he as a freshman, he's like, oh, I'm going to be or as a sophomore early on in the year, he's like, I'll be Spider-Man. Then, yeah. I mean, that kind of makes sense. You can play a little loosey goosey with it. But yeah. And it, I mean, now it doesn't matter, obviously. And that's another thing yeah. I think where. You know, you want to do your, you want to do your Spider Man cartoon and have him look like Spider Man, right? But if you're doing a thing that has to fit in with Civil War, with Homecoming, with those, the following movies, you have to like have a cartoon where he's just in his weird sweatsuit. <laughs> you know, yeah. So I can totally see if at some if at, if at any point they were like, this is going to fit in with the Holland movies, realizing, oh wait, <laughs> he can't look like Spider Man. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Forget this. <laughs> yeah, it runs into the the uh, issue we've been having with a lot of the shows where he doesn't get the suit till the end of the show, which in this case, it would have to be you start the show with Peter coming home and seeing a weird car parked out front the of the apartment. And then he's like, oh, OK, and that's the end of the series, which that's kind of a weird end of the series. Yeah, right. Um, so a few more things and we're going to start talking about the big MCU stuff. Um, this one will probably be quick. Uh, I just want to touch on it because the trailer looked nice. Uh, Lord of the Rings, the ring of power or rings of power. Um, I got a lot of like the Witcher vibes, but higher budget for most of the way it looked. Sure. Um, but I'm, I'm interested enough to give it a watch when it starts in September. Yeah, it, it, it looks really slick. I cannot tell if I think it's going to be at all good or if I really care it's um one of those things where I think anytime you're starting to dabble with like the Tolkien lore that is not you know strictly Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit or what's in any of the books or I think you probably are courting. I think it's dealing with stuff from the appendices but they are taking liberties yeah so like it could be it could be good it could be bad I think you're probably going to make a lot of nerds mad no matter what <laughs> so who knows Amazon poured tons and tons of money into this and it shows I'm sure they're probably getting a lot of use out of those sets that are still standing <laughs> in, 
<laughs> New Zealand. And they announced uh, Howard Shore is coming back to do some themes, at least. He won't be composing episodes, but he's he's composing some themes, I guess. Yeah, so I'll be interested to see. I, I saw, you know, I, I'm not like sold on it, but I'm cautiously optimistic, I think. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it gives me some Game of Thrones vibes, but it's also in a world where good things can happen too. It's not just a world where everything bad can and will happen. <laughs> so I, I'm interested, and it looks like they're they're maybe giving Sauron a, an origin story. I think he's supposed to be the like angel of light or whatever you want to call him. That guy that's all dressed in white and bald. Um, seem like that might be the implication. Um, but yeah, looks fun. Um, then the next thing we got is, uh, or last thing really is uh, Shazam Fury of the Gods. We got our first trailer for Shazam two. Uh, looks like a lot of fun. Uh, seems like everyone is still enjoying it. I'm still not a fan of the new suits, but I get it. They got more money. So they wanted to make the suits look a little better. I'm still not over how he can't call himself Captain Marvel anymore. <laughs> but yeah, the first movie was, it was fun. It didn't like blow my mind, but I enjoyed it and I'm interested in this one. Um, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. The D how the DC panel was kind of, it felt kind of muted. They mostly were, I think they mostly just did Shazam and black Adam, um, which yep. both look fine for what they are. I really get the sense that like they expected to be able to hype their big flash movie, which for various reasons seems to no longer be the case. <laughs> yep. Um, but, you know, you kind of, you kind of feel like maybe they were not, you know, maybe we're caught on the back foot where they're like, uh, well, we had these two movies we were going to promote anyway, but it was not going to be our centerpiece. Um, and now we can't ever talk about the flash until we, Presumably someday dump it on HBO max in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, there was some cool stuff like uh, the rock had a big, like 3d IMAX experience. And I guess people who were in attendance in hall H for their presentation, all got free IMAX tickets to go see black Adam when that comes cool. out. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in black Adam. I have no idea if this movie is going to be any good, um, but like, you know, it's it's going to be a movie that has it's going to be a, a, a billion dollar movie that has Doctor Fate in it, which is like one of those things that still kind of blows my mind. Whenever like Adam Smasher too, man, like, like going Hawk back, man, going as far back as like the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie, where it's like, oh, a movie with the talking tree from Marvel Comics made a billion dollars. <laughs> Sometimes that's still a little weird to think. Like, these uh, I remember our our buddy. Our buddy Jason, when that movie came out, I remember he was just like flabbergasted that Rocket Raccoon was in a movie before Wonder Woman ever yeah, was. Yeah, right. <laughs> so sometimes it's just weird to think about like, oh, these weird little characters who like nobody knew about like 15 years ago are suddenly these everyday and like household names. Yeah. So on that on that avenue, I'm like, oh, that'll be that's kind of fun. <laughs> I don't know if the movie will be good, but. I think both look pretty fun. Um, I know the rock has talked about how uh, he made a big deal about not letting them CGI over his performance. So like the moment in the first trailer where he's like doing the barrel roll and like knocking out planes, that's all him and on a green screen. Well, that's uh, cool. Like that's, that's not CGI at all. And so um, I think that's welcome. I'm interested to see how that translates and I hope it sets a, a good trend if it turns out well. 
I'm also curious now that I'm thinking about it, you know, there were, there've been rumors or like reports in like the last few years that like one of the things the rock has in his contracts is that his characters like can't lose. So I'd be curious to see how that works for this movie where, you know, obviously he's the quote, he's maybe not the hero, but the protagonist, you know, and if he's just winning every fight, <laughs> that could be make for an interesting movie possible in a bad way. <laughs> There's some really interesting stuff that has leaked out of the fast and the furious movies. Cause like, I guess they got, they got even like the number of punches thrown or landed on them written into their contract. So like if Vin Diesel landed six punches on the rock, the rock had to land eight and stuff That's like so that is <laughs> some real big dick measuring stuff That's going so on. Weird. <laughs> Although those movies have, have a scene where he flexes his way out of a cast. So <laughs> who could say whether it's bad or not? No, that, that was awesome. <laughs> and we're off topic here, but it's just so weird to think, you know, I'm, I remember, you know, when the, when it was like, Oh, there's two of these movies and they're just like, Oh, they're car movies <laughs> starring Paul Walker of all people. Cause Vin Diesel wasn't in the second one. <laughs> so <laughs> and then they come back with like the fourth or fifth one. I'm like, Oh, we're like basically a secret agent superhero movie now. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I think Vin Diesel just had a lot of fun with triple X, but triple X wasn't going to go anywhere. So he's like, let's just turn this into some crazy nonsense. But speaking of crazy nonsense, Marvel decided to unveil essentially their entire roadmap going into the end of the next saga, which they have dubbed the multiverse saga, which shocking, not really, not really. (laughs) It's like through like movies through like 2025, right? Yeah, which I, I'm one of my notes is it seems kind of short because it took us 10 years to get to Infinity War, uh, 11 years to get through the end of the saga with Endgame and uh, Far From Home. And then phases four through six, because of the pandemic, among other things, yeah. uh, is truncated into essentially five years because Black Widow and uh, WandaVision kicked off the the phase in 2021. And now we're ending in 2025. So it's literally five years with a crap ton of content. I mean, like it's, I, I didn't go through and count it, but like, let's see here. Phase five alone is three, six, nine, 12, 12 pro- properties between Disney plus and movies. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. I'm curious whether how much of that is like, you know, quote unquote phase one is like not really about, it's really just about establishing that they can do this. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, it's 10 years, but it's also, it took five years just to get phase one off the ground. Yeah. They're figuring this stuff out and they're like, they're maybe trying to do this thing where all these movies come together and whether or not they can pull it off. And also I think now it's also so much of a juggernaut that they're releasing like what three, maybe more movies a year plus all the TV shows. Mm-hmm. Um, or previously it was like, maybe you get one or two and, you know, most of them are like, Oh, it's Iron Man having an adventure. What's Thor up to this movie? And then the, the credit scene at the end, which is obviously not a criticism, but I can see how like, you know, they kind of find what they're doing in those movies as they go. And maybe now they're more just like, okay, now we have what we're doing on top of the fact that they basically lost year to the pandemic and are now just really going in on, because, you know, we've talked about it before, for better or worse, all, most of these shows, these Disney Plus shows are like movies in their own right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, 
you know, you were getting two or three movies a year plus, you know, what if what amounts to the Ms. Marvel movie, what amounts to the Moon Knight movie, you know? Yeah, so Marvel uh, came out, which I thought was kind of surprising because they had come out and said phase four goes through uh, 2023 with Guardians of the Galaxy or something like that. And now th- now they've come out and said, actually, phase four ends with Black Panther Wakanda Forever, which we got the trailer for, which that, that trailer had me all sorts of emotional. Like they that trailer did its job. Yeah, I've gone back and forth on, you know, since Chadwick Boseman passed. I've gone back and forth whether or not I think like, and you know, I'm just some dork on the internet who just thinks about these things. It doesn't matter what I think, but you know, I've gone back and forth on whether or not I think the smartest thing to do would be like just to recast or, you know, the way that they're, they ended up going, which is to also, you know, retire, kill that character in the movies. I think there are probably pros and cons for both, but this trailer really convinced me because I think I can, I think probably in my head, I imagined a movie that is, was not as much as this movie seems to be about these people like dealing with their actual grief about losing their friend. Yeah. You know, I sort of just figured it as being like, okay, we have to deal with this thing. And then we're onto the stuff we were going to do anyway with the new character in the role, which is, was probably foolish of me and short sighted of me, but like, you know, you can, I, and it's just a trailer. It's just a short preview. We don't really know what this movie's going to be about really, but everything about this trailer seems to indicate like we're working through our grief, which is probably the most interesting thing about it, which is not me saying it's, I, I think that there's not other interesting things, but um, I think that's probably, I, I don't know what I'm, I'm kind of losing my thought. <laughs> you know, it is, a, it is very much like, Okay, I see exactly why we're doing this, and I think it's probably it's not a mistake at the very least. I think the initial reaction where Disney was like or Marvel was like, we're not recasting. I thought at that time I thought it was a good idea because like I, I got emotional with Chadwick Boseman dying and like just thinking about all the kids that lost this guy who is a literal hero as well as portraying one. But as we've gotten closer to the movie coming out, which I mean, again, production started like a year after he passed. So they they had already decided all this. But as we're we're getting closer to it, I do think that with time, I would I, I am at this point more okay with the idea of them recasting, because I do think that the character of Black Panther is still something that's viable as like a role model. And it's not just. Chadwick Boseman who embodies the character but I think if you if we're doing this multiverse thing we're doing secret wars I think by the end of it if you you could do a Miles Morales thing where you have a new a new T'Challa come into the universe and at that point we'll have had five years of no T'Challa essentially so I think that might be a better way to go about it but again let's see what what Shuri does uh um, Letitia Wright does i know she she kind of got on a lot of people's shit list over the last year because she refused to get vaccinated and uh because of that she caused a delay because she caught covid and then she also caused another delay in production because she got hurt which yeah obviously that has nothing to do with her vaccination status well yeah and that's interesting too because i think a lot of people and this is certainly true of me to some degree had sort of almost written off the movie at this point because like you know, you lost your star, which is not your fault. And it's a very tragic thing that I think is, you know, deeply felt the most by those people who like knew him and worked mm-hmm. with him. 
but then also so much of the thing out out there when the movie is actually being made is like all we're hearing is this stuff about how the presumed star taking stepping into the role is just has all these personal issues as I see them. And it's just like, Oh man, this movie's going to be a mess. <laughs> so, you know, and, and it's, and so it's good to, good to get this glimpse of, of the movie and see like, okay, you know, I, they're still kind of seemingly pulling it together. It's maybe not just about this one character. It's about all these characters and how they react to this thing while also doing the requisite MCU stuff. Like they're bringing in Namor, which looks like a really interesting take on the character. So yeah. And it's a thing where like, like I said, I I've kind of been thinking, I've been thinking about the various angles that you could take to approach a sequel without your star since all this happened. And I've kind of been on all sides of it at various points in the last couple of years. But I think I'm, I think at this point I'm like, okay, I see why you made this decision. And I think if the movie is as good as that trailer looks, it's the best decision. And we'll see where it goes from there. You know, Um, whether they put one of the existing cast members in as the Black Panther full time, where they do what you said, where they bring in a new guy who's like, oh, I'm T'Challa from the multiverse and I look different now, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So before we move on to talking a little bit more about phase five, um, sell me on Namor because I do not care for Namor. Every time I've read about, I've read him in the comics, he just comes off as a Karen to me or Chad, whatever you want to call him. He just, he's obsessed with Sue Storm and he's obsessed with being right and victorious. And it just, he never, he always just comes off as annoying and self-righteous to me. Yeah. That's what makes him so cool. (laughs) (laughs) He's not like a character that I'm like, is like at the top of my list, but you know, he's like that patented Marvel shithead, (laughs) you know, where he can just be, you know, a very, cool bastard (laughs) and i think for this so so i don't know i mean if you don't like him you don't like him i don't know that i can really make a strong case for him because like i said he's not like one of my favorite characters but i think that what they seem to be doing in this movie where they are very obviously taking like a i I don't know the best way to put this because i'm not you know i kind of get the sense of what like the kind of ancient cultures they're pulling from but i think i probably will misstate um, like what actually the, the, uh, the thing is, so I'll probably put my foot in my mouth here. So I, I apologize, but like kind of riffing on the sort of like ancient Mesopotamian, like Aztec looking kind of culture, as opposed to Namor just being like a buff white dude, I think is a really interesting way to approach this. And again, I apologize if I'm like, maybe not quite getting some of the, um, actual polls correct i i've read i've read some of this but it's escaping me right now but i think it's i think it's a kind of an interesting way to take him so i'm interested to see how how they do it and maybe maybe this will be the name where cool <laughs> i i'm definitely interested in it because I, I i love and trust ryan coogler uh the the guy can do no wrong as far as filmmaking goes but yeah, the, the look is interesting and uh, inventive because otherwise, yeah, he's just a pale white dude with elf ears and wings on his feet. But yeah, as far as like the, the actual characterization in the comics, I just I don't know. But again, maybe Coogler will will sway me at least for the movie version. But let's let's jump into phase five, because phase five is now literally just around the corner in February 2023, starting with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, then we've got Secret Invasion coming in spring 2023, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 in May, 
the Echo series is supposed to be coming out sometime in summer 2023, as well as Loki season two. Uh, we've got the Marvels in July of 2023. Uh, we've got Blade in November, which I mean, we've got a pretty big gap there from July to November as far as movies go. Uh, Ironheart on Disney Plus for fall 2023, which she's going to be showing up in Wakanda yep. Forever. Uh, we have Agatha Coven of Chaos, which is uh, a WandaVision spinoff. Uh, this is one that I think we might spend a little bit of time talking about Daredevil Born Again, which is going to be an 18 episode series on Disney Plus, which if we're taking the uh, six episode arc that Disney Plus shows have been doing, Marvel's essentially doing a, a Daredevil trilogy as a TV show, if we're going to take that into account. And then my most anticipated uh, May 2024 Captain America New World Order will have been three years since we've seen Sam Wilson as Captain America. Uh, and then the phase five capper is going to be Thunderbolts, which is essentially going to be like the Avengers movie for this phase, because um, usually we have the Avengers movie cap off each phase. But I guess uh, Marvel doesn't want to do that because maybe they they're not quite sure which heroes are going to stick to be able to be on the team. I don't know. Um, but Thunderbolts is an interesting one as well because it's a villainous group of heroes that <laughs> I think Marvel even gave out a, like a brief synopsis and they're, they basically just went, it's the suicide squad. Yeah. At various times, like it's interesting because the, you know, in the comics, the Thunderbolts start out as like, Oh, we're a new superhero team that has arisen out of all the Avengers being gone for various other comic shenanigans. And the big twist is, Oh, by the way, we're all actually secretly villains trying to earn everyone's trust. And as time has gone on and like Marvel has continued to like do teams called the Thunderbolt, that's kind of has morphed into that almost like, like, like a suicide squad where it's, we're guys who are in prison for some reason or another, we've been recruited to this team, maybe run by a villain. I think Luke Cage was in charge of them at some point. So, you know, it's interesting it's not surprising that they're like doing seemingly doing the, the suicide squad version of that because it's at this point, the, like the preeminent version of that team. Yeah. And they, they've clearly been building towards it. At least if they weren't going to call it like the Thunderbolts or the new Avengers, it was going to be a, a, a Thunderbolts kind of uh, allegory at least. Cause you've got uh, Yelena who will probably do some kind of heel face turn. You've got, uh, U.S. agent, you've got Abomination who's coming back, which I don't think you bring him back without throwing him into a movie, uh, especially since they have Tim Roth actually coming back as well. Yeah, and you've got, um, I cannot remember his name, but Zemo. Oh, yeah, Zemo's still around. Yeah, he'll probably be the leader. Yeah, it it, it seems like an interesting idea, uh, especially with the fact that William Hurt passed away. So like, it seems like the Thunderbolts will probably be more of a an homage to him. And uh, I, I, again, the, the accords tend to drop in and out of like the forefront of the writer's minds, but I feel like this has to be like the government sanctioned Avengers kind of thing right. where the, these are the guys that are, they, they've signed the accords and the, the UN is going to govern them and we're going to send them where they go and shenanigans ensue. Well, it'll be interesting to see how they approach it because there's that angle. And also we've already started, I think we've already just started to see, some of this being seated with um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus showing up in a couple of the shows where in the last time we saw John Walker was her recruiting 
him. The end of the Black Widow movie is her recruiting Yelena. So I think that's probably where some of that stuff is is going. You know, you mentioned Tim Roth is about to is about to show up in the She Hulk show. I would bet at this point we probably see her pop in at some point for that. And you know, I don't I don't think we really got a sense of. I forget exactly where we left Zemo and Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but uh, he was left in a prison cell after he had had his butler blow up the rest of the super soldiers. That's right. That's right. I think this is seems to me to indicate this is where some of that some of that groundwork is leading towards. Yeah, and uh, obviously it's going to probably end up blowing up in their faces. I should say obviously and probably in the same sentence. <laughs> um, the Thunderbolts is going to be the capper to phase five. And then there, uh, November 2024, we get Fantastic Four, which they announced that Spider-Man will be showing up in the Fantastic Four. And then there's a bunch of empty spaces. There's uh, a TV show in the fall, uh, two TV shows in the fall, which probably one of them will be Loki season three. Uh, then we've got movies in other like there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven empty slots right now that they have, which obviously they're probably thinking again, obviously I'll probably stop it, <laughs> which they're probably thinking uh, sequel baits and stuff like there, there has to be a Spider-Man four and they're probably, I don't think they put Spider-Man in fantastic four without putting him into phase six, because at that point there's what four years, almost no. Yeah. Spider-Man came out in 2021. So this is uh, no way home. To... So, this is going into 2025. Yeah, so I think at that point we know that they're working on a fourth Holland movie, whatever capacity. Yeah, which the, at that at this point there would have been four years between production even of uh, a Spider-Man movie. So the idea that there won't be a, a fourth Spider-Man movie before we get to uh, the two Avengers movies in 2025, I don't I don't think that's reasonable. There is a uh, two summer 2025 slots open for Marvel, which is probably May and July. I would bet one of those is probably a TV show, unless yeah. they're movies. Um, you know, I mean, it, yeah, because they've got May twenty twenty five, which is Avengers Kang Dynasty. So yeah. then one's probably a TV show, and then the other is probably Spider Man. Yeah, I don't know if the timing works out, but theoretically, a Captain Marvel three slash Marvels two, um, maybe I don't, I don't, I guess I don't know. I don't know. There's all kinds of things that some of those movies could be. Uh, one of them would also probably have to be a Shang would also. I, no, I didn't say obviously. OK, <laughs> <laughs> one of them would also probably have to be a Shang, Shang-Chi, too, I think. Like, that's possible. Um, I don't know that. I don't know how much they bet their um, bet the bank on Eternals. But, you know, if they if they think that it's worth pursuing a sequel to that. I would be shocked if we get an eternal sequel. I think if, if there is a plan with the eternals, they probably get their stories broken down into other people's movies at this point, possibly, possibly. or they just get Harry Styles to show up in those. But I mean, you know, that came out in 2021 was finished. I think was ready to come out in 2020. Um, theoretically, that's a few years out. If that's something they're going to do, you know, who knows? There's lots of possibilities of what it could be. <laughs> Up if they do another Thor movie, I didn't. I haven't seen anyone yet. But if it's possible that they decide to do a fifth one, I can see that another Doctor Strange. Who knows? You know, there's all kinds yeah. of things that could be. But you, you said you wanted to talk about Daredevil a little bit. Do you want to get dig into that at all? Oh yeah, we, yeah. Um, we can talk a little bit about Daredevil because they teased him in the the She Hulk trailer, which we also did not talk about. Yeah. Uh, which I I thought that that's most recent She Hulk trailer was fantastic. Um, yeah, she breaks the fourth wall. 
And it, it seems like they're going to kind of roll with that, which the, the reaction to the first time they, I, I thought was so good. <laughs> well, I if you've ever seen orphan black, which is the show that kind of put Tatiana Maslany on the map, but she's like just an incredible actress. Um, so I'm very intrigued to see, you know, how much she's able to do with this show. Um, on top of being interested in She-Hulk to begin with, um, she's not my one of my. She's not my favorite character, but you know she's had some pretty solid runs in the past, and it looks interesting. Yeah, so we we got the tease of Daredevil at the end of that trailer, and uh, it looks like he's going to be showing up in his red and yellow suit. That seems to be the consensus at this point. Yeah, people have enhanced and uh, brightened up the the shots, uh, which I, I mean, I didn't even pick that up looking at it on my phone and everything. So like good, good eye up for you people, uh, would have been a nice surprise, but whatever we have to overanalyze every shot in a trailer now, but yeah, Marvel doing daredevil born again, which is going to be an ongoing 18 episode season. The announcement of that felt really strange because we had like literally just recorded our Ms. Marvel show and we're like, expand this shit man like tell us more stuff and now marvel's like oh you want more show more of the shows okay 18 episodes and it's like whoa there's a middle ground there's a middle ground i'm so intrigued by that um and a lot of it's going to depend on what it ends up being because my hope is that 18 episodes means it will be you know like we talked about with ms marvel a little bit my hope is that that it means they will approach it as a tv show a little bit you know, give me that episode where it's just like a one-off about him fighting Stiltman or something, or like the episode that's all about Matt Murdock having to defend solve a case or yeah, you know, defend um, a client. You know, my hope is that we get some more of that episodic kind of storytelling as opposed to like, okay, episode one is about whatever the main threat is going to be, and that's basically every episode until we get to eighteen. I don't know how much production behind the scenes continuity it will have with like the Netflix Daredevil show or even like in universe continuity remains to be seen. But that was a big issue with all those Netflix shows was there's 12 or 13 episodes and they're all one story, but they don't have enough to, f- to fit 12 episodes. So somewhere in the middle, it always is like, Oh, we're spinning our wheels here for three or four episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I want to see them hit that middle ground between we're telling a serialized story that, you know, takes place over the season, but also we're not focused solely on that. And once in a while he just has a weird adventure, (laughs) you know, that's comics, but you know, it's really cool to see. I think, I think probably when all the Netflix shows went away, it was just like, Oh, well, you know, they're never going to reference this. And it's just, goodbye to these characters until they reboot it with new actors in the MCU. But it's, so it's really cool to see between like this and She-Hulk and No Way Home and like Hawkeye that at least this little, that this show is being sort of revived. Like I said, it, it remains to be seen how much they will care to incorporate what happened in the Netflix show. Yeah. It, it, it'll be interesting to see if they actually carry anything over other than the actors as well. Like what continuity actually carries over. Cause the original plan was that the Netflix shows, what were supposed to be tied to it and the, the defenders and all that was supposed to be a, just a side gig for that. And maybe these characters can show up in future Avengers movies, but then I, I don't even know what happened I, either. 
Disney was like, no, that's too violent. And we're not getting these characters mixed up with these other guys or what. But yeah, it was, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what actually carries over. If they're just going to be like, oh, that was a multiverse. Yeah. Or, you know, we're just going to give you just enough. We're just going to ignore it enough that if you really want to pretend that this is the same version of the character, that's fine. But we're not going to confirm it one or another. Either way, like Charlie Cox is great. I think he is him, Vincent D'Onofrio. Like those shows had problems, but the casts were not among them. I hope they bring back, you know, Deborah Ann Roll. Um, I cannot remember the name of the actor who played um, Foggy Nelson, but he's also great. I, I hopefully. Yeah, he's Fulton from the Mighty Ducks. Yeah, right. Hopefully <laughs> we see them as well. Um, but either way, I'm. I'm happy to see them getting more work in this regard because they're great. They're great actors. And I'm cautiously optimistic about the length because in, you know, I could go on a rant about this for an hour, but one of the things about the streaming era that I wish was not as true as it is, is like the sort of decline of episodic TV storytelling. We're like doing an episode of a show and we're going to have an adventure Maybe we're going to reference the the larger thing going on, but ultimately it's like not the next piece in the puzzle. It's just John Luke Picard has an adventure or Daredevil fights Stiltman or Spider-Man goes up against Pace Pop Pete or whatever, whatever the hell, you know, like <laughs> give me more of that. And I, I hope, I hope that's what we're going for, but I guess we'll see. Yeah. So we're, we're into phase six. We talked a little bit about fantastic four uh, speculating that a Spider-Man four is going to happen in here too. Um, to round out the multiverse saga, uh, we get two Avengers movies in 2025. We get the Kang Dynasty, which is probably going to be essentially Infinity War, where something's going to happen. Multiverse is going to collapse on itself. And then we end up in Secret Wars and take it with a giant grain of salt because I saw this on the Internet. But there's a rumor swirling that they're actually going to adapt the 80 Secret Wars and not the 20. 15 Jonathan Hickman secret wars. I highly doubt it since they're already talking about like incursions and all these other things, which are keywords from that series. And I'd be absolutely shocked if they did that because in there, there is really no comparison. Like you can't discredit the 80 secret wars for what it did for creating crossover events. Uh, which I mean, again, that's it. That was even in response to, um, crisis on infinite earths. So like that's that's the granddaddy of them all as far as crossovers go. Uh, but the 2015 Secret Wars is like a masterpiece in in comic writing. So if they're not adapting that one in any kind of way, like that's that's a big mistake, in my opinion. It's tough to predict because like with the MCU, for better and worse, we don't really see them adapt stories specifically. Like more often they are like taking sort of the source material as inspiration and like riffing on certain stories in ways that fit what the MC was doing. Like civil war is maybe some of the most direct in terms of adaptation. Yeah. The, the two captain America sequels, you've got the winter soldier and uh, civil war. Yeah. Those are maybe the most part. direct in terms of like, you know, it's doing what it says in a tin, but like the winter soldier story in the comics is very different than the one in the movie. Same with civil war. And like, you know, probably the biggest one is age of Ultron, which bears almost no resemblance to the comic that it's named after. Yeah. They just like the name. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just a name. So it's like with secret wars, it's so hard to, especially because there's like, like four move or three years of movies between then and now 
So I would bet that it's something where it really is just kind of like we are taking bits and pieces and sort of making them work in a way that fits the MCU. Like, you know, it would seem to, it seems like a lot of the multiverse stuff depends on Resson Kang as a character, mm-hmm. which is not true of either Secret Wars. Um, the multiverse stuff would seem to indicate that they're at least, like you say, kind of leaning on the 2015 reboot or 2015 series in some way. There's theoretically a way that, you know, the Beyonder from the 80s series could show up. Or, you know, the original Secret Wars is how Spider-Man gets his black suit that becomes Venom down the line, you know, so... And they could they could make a, an amalgamation of the two as well. Like I'm not saying either is impossible. Yes, yeah, so it's so hard to speculate. Is what I mean. So it's like I would bet it's more an amalgamation, like you say, than yeah, like directly adapting either yeah. story. And I I do see it, just because the they're going to be introducing Doctor Doom. I, I assume they'll be introducing Doctor Doom, uh, November 2024 with Fantastic Four, uh. I find it hard to get behind the idea that they're going to adapt secret wars as directly as they could uh, just because like, why are you introducing Dr. Doom one year prior and then making him the big bad or central focus of the last Avengers movie of the phase? Because it it makes no sense. There's no relation to him where as with Kang, he's going to be introduced in quantum mania in February of 2023. He's already been introduced in Loki and we know there's going to be like multiple Kangs as well, because that's that's what was teased in Loki. So there, there's a lot to really dive into with Kang. So like maybe Dr. Doom plays a role in Secret Wars, but I think it is still going to be Kang is like the Thanos of this phase. Well, that's another thing, too, where like Dr. Doom plays a role in in both of those series, um, both Secret Wars series. And it, the, it, as you allude to, in the, he's like he's like the big bad of the 2015 one which and some of it is like some of what's going on in that book is it's also sort of a culmination of like the 60 year rivalry between dr doom and fantastic reed richards so it's like you know as you point out he will have been in presumably one movie as a major player before that it wouldn't it just doesn't work they just can't do that kind of pull for that movie so like maybe they're still riffing on that stuff but it's not gonna you know in the same way that the setup for civil war in the comics is very different than civil war in the movie and you know the the main thrust is the two sides fighting but the context and the actual events are very different to suit what the mcu is doing and where like the characters it has available to it and stuff like that so yeah i would i would be so i would not i would bet you know, the Fantastic Four, whatever they end up looking like in that movie, whatever characters are in that movie will play a role, but it would be surprising to me if they're like strictly doing the thing where Doctor Doom becomes like the god of the last planet in the multiverse as this, as the presumed second Doctor Doom story in this, of the MCU. So uh, with that, we'll kind of start wrapping up. I did want to mention that uh, Kevin Feige did come out and say that I believe they're going to be doing separate directors for both of these Avengers movies. Uh, They did already announce that Destin Daniel Cretton, who directed Shang-Chi, will be directing the Kang Dynasty. Mm -hmm. And then right now, Secret Wars is kind of an open interview. 
Uh, but personally, I would love to see Ryan Coogler get a, get his hands on an Avengers movie. Yeah, I'd be I'd be curious because um, it's a, you know obviously Ryan Coogler is a great director. I think it's a, probably a question of whether or not he wants to do a movie that that is that high profile because it would you know it's a, a much, it's definitely out of the box for him. Yeah, it's it's a much different kind of thing that he usually does. Like even even like Black Panther is a lot, you know smaller and more personal than a lot of these movies are, and it seems like Wakanda Forever will do the same. So I I agree. I think probably the, the biggest open question is whether he wants it even, but even if he does, you know, if they allow him to like do his thing, as opposed to giving a bunch of stuff, the studio says has to get done. Uh, it would be very interesting to see how that turns out. With Kugler, like you said, he, he can definitely, uh, if he wants it, it's probably a job for him. Um, but if maybe he doesn't want something that massive. Um, one thing that sprung to mind is, uh, Allegedly, Marvel's looking at Steven Spielberg for Fantastic Four for whatever reason. Um, I don't know if that's something that Spielberg would be interested in at this point in his career, but uh, seems interesting. So, like, maybe that's something that he could jump on for Secret Wars as well. Yeah, uh, just a, a thought that popped into my brain. I'm kind of curious about that because, you know, obviously Spielberg's a huge director who can do basically whatever he wants at this point in his career. I don't. I don't know the sourcing on some of those rumors, but I I would be personally surprised if they're at all true. But yeah, the director's spot for Marvel, I mean, like there, there there's exceptions like Shang-Chi really had a style to it. So did Eternals for good or bad. Um, I think the problem with Eternals was more the script than it was the the directing. Um, like there, there does seem to be a template for Marvel where uh, the director is basically there just be like, hey, this is your motivation. These are your lines. Let's shoot it. And then everything else happens after the fact. I think they may be breaking away from, I think, because I think, you know, Eternals and Shang-Chi are two recent examples where I think like ever so slightly, they're slowly but surely kind of bringing in directors and allowing them to do their own film Have style. Yeah, while still being like, okay, Namor has to be in this movie, or we have to get to the point where you have to deal with the Hulk and Thor Ragnarok or whatever. But there was like some of the director's style in there, which I think was probably not true of like many of the movies like leading up to like the first 10 years of all this stuff. Yeah, and like Ms. Marvel's another example where at least through the first like two episodes and then a little bit in the last episode, you have that like almost Scott Pilgrim esque kind of style. Yeah. So yeah, I, it's just something that popped into my head as uh, we were finishing up here. Um, just it, it'll be interesting to see if they actually land Spielberg and what a Spielberg MCU movie might look like. Yeah, definitely. But with that, we will wrap up here. Um, thanks again to Sugarcoated Murder for the ad spot this week. Uh, definitely give them a listen. Matt, thank you, as always, for taking the time to be here and talking nerd shop with me. Yeah, of um, course. I feel like, you know. I said early in the episode that I didn't know if there was how much there was, but we, I feel like there's a lot we didn't talk about as well. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's comic-con there's, there's like 6 million different things that get announced. Uh, D 23 is coming up in uh, mid September. Like I think it's like September 9th through the 11th or something like that. So we'll probably have another one of these kind of chats about the announcements. Yeah. Um, September is actually pretty open. I'm looking at our calendar here. Uh, next week we'll be reviewing uh, the new Predator movie, Prey, and then uh, the week after that we've, we're bringing back What You Doing. 
All right. So uh, some fun stuff coming up here. Um, so yeah, thanks again, Matt, for, for taking the time. Uh, thanks everyone. Thanks everyone for listening. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at talking smack pod. You can email us at he at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Josh underscore scar. Please like rate review, subscribe. Uh, we're on Apple pods, pod chaser, Spotify, good pods. We are looking at changing our hosting site. So uh, there might be some, if you are subscribed already, there might be some uh, craziness happening where you see like old episodes popping up as new episodes. I apologize. You can either ignore them or listen to them, whatever you want to do, but I apologize in advance. Uh, Give us the play. Give us the play. (laughs) We are going to lose a lot of our play stats because of it, but whatever. I'm, I'm more interested in just producing this stuff than I am about the, the numbers. So um it is what it is but thanks again everyone thank you matt and uh hopefully my voice wasn't too bad this week uh and you guys made it to this point uh so yeah that's that's kind of it uh take care see ya watch star trek <laughs>